morning everybody. I do hope that you are having a lovely day. So, yeah, it's a very good morning, especially to me, something exciting, really, that I've been dreading happened this morning. I'm not going to share it just yet, but if I forget sharing it, please remind me at the end of my talk, then I'll be able to share it. It's, it might mean nothing to you, but it's really exciting for me and my wife, so, and it is a real good answer to prayer. So, I, I wonder how many of you have ever had a bad day. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, you know, those just little flings, but, you know, a seriously, seriously bad day. I wonder if you can remember or take your mind back to a time when you really, really had a bad day. And how did you manage that? How did you manage your bad day? Did it turn out to be a good day in the end or it remained a bad day for the rest of your life? I wonder. And I don't, I don't know how many of you would be interested if that moment when you had a bad day, if there would be a manual to tell you how to behave when you are having a bad day. Would any of you be interested in that manual? I bet all of us would be interested in that manual. Now I can assure you that if you've never had a bad day, Take it to the bank that one day you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> but today I want us to look at a story of a man who really had a bad day. Not just a bad day, but a very terrible day. But how he behaves throughout that day is kind of a manual to you and me on how we can behave when we are having a bad day. His story is recorded in the book of First Samuel chapter 30. Starting from verse 1 to 25. But I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to read a little bit and talk through some of it. So the book of First Samuel, the words are going to come up on the screen, hopefully. And it speaks of a story of a man by the name David who, who, who was having a really, really bad day. But how he behaves is incredible. Let's have a look. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burnt it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David, two wives, had been cap captured. Ahinoma, sorry for the pronunciation, of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Camel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of the sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord. I want you to think about that. David found strength in the Lord. I love the older version of King James, which said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abitha the high priest, 
the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abitha brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Now I just want to pause there and jump up to verse 18. Which says, verses 18 says, just want to find it, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including the two wives. And 19 says, nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl. Now this is a very interesting story that we have here. The Amalekites, very interesting people in the scriptures. The Bible first mentions the Amalekites in the book of Exodus around chapter 17. Now this time, Joshua is fighting the Amalekites in the valley. And Moses is on top of the hill praying. Now the Bible says that every time Moses would lift up his hands, Joshua would get victory while he's fighting in the valley. And every time Moses would put his hands down, they would be losing to the Amalekites. And then Aaron and Har, they came around Moses and they, they sat Moses on a rock and they both lifted Moses' hands up. And as they did that, Joshua had victory in the valley. Then the Lord said something interesting to, to, to Moses. He told Moses, write this down and make sure that Joshua, my servant, knows. That because you lifted up your hands on the hill, for generation I will burn and cast the Amalekites' name from my records. But know this, from generation to generation, I, the Lord, will wage a war against the Amalekites. And we hear Amalekites popping up over and over again in the scriptures, which gives us a picture. Amalekites are a picture of the flesh. Now the Lord will wage a war upon the flesh from generation to generation. And at this point, we see that David is facing the same problem of the Amalekites. He just comes back to his home, to his village, where he had been hiding in the Philistine land, and he finds that everything is taken away. All the children, all the women are missing. And everything that he had and owned is burned to ashes. Now I want you to picture that for a minute. Picture you turning back to your house and finding that everything that you own is gone. It's in ashes. It's in rumble. And the, your children who you love so much and your wife, or if it is your wife, picture your husband has been carried away in captivity. Now you can't see any dead bodies. So certainly nobody's dead. But at this time, you should realize that when this was happening, there was no Geneva Convention whereby, you know, prisoners have some rights to be treated rightly. These guys are imagining their wives and children being sold into slavery. They are imagining their, their women being raped. And they are burning in their hearts 
of just what is going to happen. Everything that they ever had is gone. But then something happens. These guys just start, you know, crying and wailing and just mourning the loss that they had had, understandably. Which makes me, you know, I want to encourage you and tell you, you know, when you suffer loss and you have pain in your heart, it is okay to cry. Sometimes we we want to man up, we want to suck it up and think that, oh, I'm not going to express my feeling. It is all right. When you are having a bad day, you can cry because even Jesus wept. So these guys cry. But as they cry and mourn, they are so much distressed. Then they start ganging up and grumbling and murmuring. And what are they doing? They are trying to find someone to blame. Now it amazes me why they would want to find someone to blame for what has happened. Because none of them, of course, did it. But they are finding, and whoever they, what, who they pick to pick on is David, who was their leader. And it makes me realize that these guys, they were following David, but they did not realize actually where their identity was. Because that is the problem you and I have. When we face difficulty, when we face situations that we cannot handle, we are always trying to find someone that we can pin down and say, it is your fault. Why is that happening? Because we do not know where our identity lies. Because if these men realize that where their identity lied, it didn't lie in David, they wouldn't be really blaming David for what had happened to them. But they all scream and they are all angry and they are even speaking of stoning David. Now David realizes that not only has he lost his family, but his life is in danger. They are kind of adding, you know, pain upon pain in his life. But what David does is incredible. Because not only did David stay with these guys and mourn with them as their captain, he had come around them, he had felt their pain, he had felt everything that they were going through. Just as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the book of Hebrews tells us that he is the captain of our faith. So he comes around us, he feels our pain, he feels what we are going through, and he can identify himself with what we are going through because he has been through the same. But these guys don't, don't realize that. They are going after David. They want to kill David. But David does something incredible. The Bible says he found strength. He sought strength. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Now the Bible then goes silent. It doesn't actually say how David encouraged himself in the Lord. I would have loved to to find out, you know, what did David say or do to encourage himself in the Lord? But the Bible goes silent. It doesn't say how he did it. It just says he encouraged himself in the Lord. So my curiosity, 
makes me or makes you want to find out how did he do it and encourage himself in the Lord so that you and I when we are facing such difficulty we can also say I can encourage myself in this way so I can really really see David just speaking to himself I can see David speaking to himself because his body was weak His minds were telling him different things. He was facing difficulty. He was facing a lot of negativity. So I can see himself, first of all, speaking to himself. So he says in Psalm 42, the words that I believe he wrote at some time when he was going through such a period. And he says to his soul, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you down my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Yes, you have suffered loss. Yes, everything that you own has been taken away from you. But why? Why are you disturbed? Why are you distressed within me? And he answers and says, Tell his soul, put your hope in God. He's telling his soul, regardless of what is happening, regardless of the loss that you have suffered, There is coming good. You have to believe it. It is not going to be something that you are just imagining. It is going to be definite. The goodness of the Lord is going to be demonstrated through what you are going through at the moment. So David is telling his soul, put your hope in God. And then he he says, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now he starts speaking to himself, saying that, If I put my hope in God, who is going to vindicate me in the end, I can give him praise. Because I know that he is going to vindicate me. And so I can just see David, you know, just with a smile on his face saying, you know, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because you called me when I was a shepherd tending to my father's sheep. And you anointed me in front of my brothers and my father to be the king of Israel. And even though I haven't seen that yet, Father, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to praise your holy name because I know that you're going to do it. Father, I'm going to praise you because when I was out in the field tending to my father's sheep, a bear attacked my sheep and I went after the bear. You gave me victory over the bear. I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to praise you because when I was out there in the field, a lion attacked my sheep and you gave me victory over the lion and I recovered what I had lost. Father, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you, Jesus, because when I was living in the house of Saul, he kept howling spears at me. But every time you gave me victory and I ducked and the spears hit the wall. Father, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you because when the Philistines had lined up for battle with Israel and they were having giants who had come in armor and in spears and in swords. Father, I came to the giant in the name of the Lord and only with one stone you gave me victory. So Father, I am going to praise you. David encouraged himself in the Lord by praising the God who had done much to him. It is as the song always says that when life billows, you are tempted toss and you are discouraged thinking that all is lost. Count your blessings. Name them one by one and you will see what the Lord has done. So I can see David. I can see David just looking upon his life, picking one bit after one bit and saying, yes, I have been knocked down, but I haven't been destroyed. I am going to rise up and I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Mm. 
I can also see David just going on ahead and remembering just two years ago, a time that he had run away and hid himself in the in the Philistine city. And people had identified himself and said, is that not the David who they sang of, that David has slain his tens of thousands and Saul has slain his thousands. He is here hiding in the Philistine. And the king had said, bring him to me. And David was going to be beheaded. But David behaved himself in a manner that looked like he's a madman. He let his nails grow and he scratched the wall and he let saliva come out of his face and he disfigures himself in a way that was disgusting until King Abimelech looked at him and told his men, aren't there no enough madmen in Philistine that you will bring me another madman? Get him out of my sight. And God saved David. And David writing that in Psalms chapter 4, he writes this word and I'm, I'm sure that he reminded himself this word that he had wrote two years ago and say, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. He says that every time, every moment, in good and in bad, I will lift the name of the Lord. Even though I've been struck down, but still I will lift the name of the Lord. He goes on to say, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. At this time, I believe that David has taken his harp and he's harping away and just singing his music and saying, let the afflicted. He's speaking now to the men of war that are with him, the 600 men that he had. He's speaking to them and saying, let you afflicted hear and rejoice because the Lord is at work. Glorify the Lord with me. You see now he's rallying the crowds and saying, you know, come on guys, yet you have been wounded, you are in pain, but come on let us praise the Lord. Let us glorify his own name. Let us exalt him. You know why? The glory, the word glorify means to magnify, to make our God be. Now God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. But if you take a magnifying glass and you put it on a piece of paper with words, the words will remain the same. But the magnifying glass will make the word from your vintage point to appear so big. So that is how our God is. He doesn't change. But when we look at him in a magnifying glass, you know, we magnify him from our vintage point and he looks great. And once God looks great, our troubles look so small. Then we look at our, the greatness of our God and the little of our troubles. So David just continues to encourage himself and sing praise to our heavenly father and to say that he is the Lord. You know, other guys would pick on what David died. Paul and Silas, in prison, they were in chains, chained away in the middle of the hour. They just started singing, probably remembering what David had died. They just started singing praises to the God. And what happened? The ground shook, and all the cells opened, and their chains fell off until the guards came thinking that they have run off, wanting to kill themselves. And Paul says, no, we haven't, we haven't run away. We are here. Don't harm yourself. God is going to use you in that position whereby you are having a bad day and everybody realizes that you are having a bad day but you have a smile on your face. You have joy in your heart until other people look at their problem and they say wow there is something about that man, that woman that child that is just so attractive. I want to know why do they have such joy? Why are they still smiling in regardless of the tribulation and, and, and challenges that are around them? If the devil wants you to have not joy so that you can go on grumbling and 
murmuring and rumoring and spreading venom and spreading gossip so that they can say, oh, look at these Christians, you know, they are even worse than us. But if you take on the joy of the Lord and wear that joy, the Bible says that he gives a song in the middle of the night that will bring you joy. As you wake up in the morning, you are waking up smiling and delighted in the Lord. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. I can speak about this forever. Because I know the importance of that praise. The Bible says that, you know, those, if you are down, sing praises to the Lord and your soul is uplifted. A lot that happens to us on the outside happens because our inside is dying off. But if we can awaken our soul, awaken our inside, it doesn't matter what is happening on the outside. Once the inside is awakened, our outside will roam and sing for joy. Yes, that's very good. At some point in my life, I had to do what David did. Something happened to me and my wife on 27th of May this year. My wife just had a miscarriage. And the pain of it was that it wasn't the first miscarriage she was having. It was the second miscarriage she was having. But what pained more about that experience was that we were really expectant that this time God is doing it. Because God has spoken to us prophetically. And we really felt that this is it. Everything just felt right. But with no warning, she had a miscarriage. I was really downcast. My wife was really downcast. And one thing I remember telling myself over and over again, I told God, I do not understand why this has happened or what is happening. But what I know is that you have a plan. You must have a plan. And I just kept saying that to myself, that God, I didn't pray much, but I kept telling myself, God must have a plan in this. I kept telling my wife that. He has to. He has to have a plan. And that really encouraged my heart. So, the Bible says that David recovered everything that he had lost in the end. How did he do that? One, he encouraged himself. Number two, David inquired of the Lord. The Bible tells us that David told the priest, bring me the ephod. The ephod was a tool that they would use to communicate, to see, to discern God's will. And when Hibitha brought the ethod, David inquired of the Lord, should I pursue these people? Will I overtake them? And God said, pursue. We have been talking about prayer and answered prayer here. You know the enemy will want to tell you that you don't have enough time to pray. The enemy will like to tell you that if you want to see open doors, you have to go kneel down, you know, pray from morning to evening, fast, go without food, and, you know, spend hours and hours pleading with God. Then you say, oh, I can't do that because I just don't have the time. But that is not what Jesus tells us about prayer. 
When Peter was sinking, when he was walking on the water and started to sink, Peter did not have time or opportunity to pray. All that he did was three words. Lord, save me. And the Bible says that immediately Jesus was there and he lifted him and put him in the boat. So we have made prayer something so hard for us to do because that is the challenge that the enemy has put to us that prayer is so difficult. (coughs) But here, David inquires of the Lord and he just says, Lord, should I go? Should I go after these men? And God says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and you will have victory. A few weeks ago, John reminded us of a prophecy that Anne had given a few years back of God wanting to pour out the spirit of prayer upon us. And God was challenging us, asking us that, you know, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm so much in love with you that I want to do this, but where are you going to be when I pour out the spirit of prayer upon you? Are you going to go outside, you know, covered in your umbrellas or not ready to be soaked with the rain of the spirit? And sometimes we waste a lot of time, you know, complaining and rumoring and gossiping about stuff that we can just pray about. We can be two people, I was discussing this with my connect group on Wednesday, we can be two people, one, that says that, you know, I can, I can, there is no point of praying because God knows everything, my life from beginning to the end, regardless of if I pray or not, nothing is going to change. But we can also be people who will say that God will do nothing unless I pray. I have been put here to partner with God, to change the mind of God, to change the direction of how God wants to work in my life and to bring about the purposes and the plans of God in my life. So I would encourage you as church to keep praying. Because God knows how important that is to bring us to where he desires us to be. The third thing that David does, after praying, he pursues. He now does the will of God to say that you pursue those guys and David pursue. Why why I was saying at the beginning that David sang hymns and encouraged his men? Because when David told, he had to tell his 600 men, you have to quit, quit your mourning, quit your crying, let us go to battle. How did he manage to get these men who were so much down to go with him to battle? There is something about him that they saw in his behavior that they were confident that if we go against the Amalekites, we are going to have victory. So these 600 men follows him. And there are two things that happens when they follow him going to this battle. The first thing that happens, they reach somewhere in the valley. Before they cross over, 200 of the 600 men are too weary. They say, we have to remain behind. We can't go on. We are too weak. And they remain in the valley. Now, David is suffering loss, but he has just lost 200 men more. Now he's remaining with only 400. But he goes on with the 400. And as I was reading that, I really felt strongly in my heart that God has a word to someone in this room, especially leaders. When you are a leader, either in your family or in the church, God wants to tell you this morning that 
at some point, you just need to leave some people behind. You are not going to carry everybody. When you are burdened with stuff, when you are moving on, trying to achieve something, you are not going to go and win with everybody. There comes a time in life where you just have to tell some people or people who are dragging you behind, you just have to leave them and you take the men that you have, the few that are with you, and you move forward. Not because you don't love those 200 that you have left behind, not because you don't care for them, not because you are annoyed with them, but because God, God will give you victory so that they can see your victory, then they will come along and you can continue together. So a word for someone this morning, you might be struggling and you have been carrying people around. And not just people, but you might be carrying stuff around. You have carried that stuff for so long in your life. A word for you this morning is that it is just about time you start dropping some stuff. You are not going to reach victory unless you drop off some stuff. I don't know who this is speaking to this morning, but I just have a sense that someone needs to lay off some baggage before you can receive what God has for you. Another thing happens, as the 400 goes on, they meet an Egyptian boy. Now this Egyptian boy has been, had been left behind by the Amalekites who saw that he was weak and feeble. So when they had raided, they were going off, they left him on the way. And he is weak, he is poor. And they, left, they leave him behind. But as David and his men came and meet this Egyptian boy, David attends to his needs. And I really felt that God is telling you, for you to get victory, get over yourself. Because some of us, you know, we, we really like being so much clinged on ourselves that we don't realize that there are other people around us who are going through just the same stuff of what we are going through. And you, you get focused on yourself so much that God wants to bless you through the other people that are around you. But you don't realize. So you, 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 you are in trouble and you find someone else in trouble. You say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bother with my own troubles. I'll just leave them alone. But as David helps this man and nurses him to good health, this is the man who will reveal to him where the Amalekites are. And I want to give you a tip. You who is depressed, you who is stressed, if you want quick healing, you go find someone else who is in the same position as you and you spend your time nursing them, attending to them, attending to their need, and you will see what God will do. Because Jesus tells us, let the poor man say, I am rich. Why are you rich? Because you are not alone. You have God standing there with you. You have Jesus going with you along the way. So even if you are wounded, you can still be a blessing that will overflow to someone else who is in need. So get over yourself. I'm sorry if the language is not so good. That is just me being not so kind. But get over yourself and just look across the room. There might be someone else who might just be needing the exact help that you can give. Someone said, you know, I complained I don't have a coat until I found a man who doesn't have a shirt. I complained I don't have shoes until I found a man who doesn't have legs. 
There is always someone else who needs your help more than yourself. Because in all of this, we do not know. God is doing something behind the scenes that we don't realize. We don't see it. But if we can just open our eyes, then we start seeing what God is doing. It is like the story of little Tommy. Little Tommy didn't understand when her mom, his mom called him and he told him, Oh, little Tommy, we're going to be having a baby. And little Tommy was so excited. Really? I'm going to have a, a, a brother or a sister that I'm going to be playing with. And mom said, yes, yes, really, in a few months we're going to be having a baby. Little Tommy was so excited. He went to school and he told the teacher and his friends, oh, we are going to be having a baby. And they were so excited. And every day, little Tommy will remind the teacher and the other students, oh, we are going to be having a baby. He did that for a couple of months. Then one day, the mother called him. And he said, little Tommy, come over here with the big belly. He told little Tommy, listen, listen, put your ear here, listen. Can you hear that thing that is pumping? Little Tommy said, yes, 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 I can hear. The mommy said, oh, that is the baby's heart. The baby is in there. Little baby is in there. Little Tommy looks confused. So he went back to school. And for the following day, he didn't say anything. Three days, he never said anything about the baby. And the teacher was curious and asked, Tommy, are you, what happened? You don't talk about having a baby anymore. And little Tommy said, we are not having a baby anymore. The teacher was even more concerned and he said, Tommy, what happened? Why are you not having a baby anymore? And little Tommy said, because mommy ate it. <laughs> he did not understand. You know, he did not understand. Somehow, you know, God was making something. So we can look at things and say, we do not understand. There is nothing there to see. Everything has disappeared. But God is working behind the scenes to bring us to where he desires us to be. So I would encourage you. Encourage yourself. Praise. Number two, inquire of the Lord. Prayer. Number three, pursue. You know, go with God in all of these things. Work with God. Work according to his plan and purpose. Pursue these things in prayer and in supplication. And just see what God has in store for you. The last thing I'm going to share with you is that be inspired by the Lord. As you do this, be inspired by the Lord. David really recovers everything that he had lost. But that was not the end of the challenge. As he comes back with his spoil, probably singing and rejoicing, he reaches the 200 men, those ones that he left in the valley. And his 400 men, some of them start grumbling. Now they say, because these 200 never went with us to the battle, they are getting nothing. Let us just give them their women and their children, but the spoil, they are not going to get the spoil back. They are not going to share in the gold and the silver and all the precious stone. We can keep it for ourselves, the 400. Now that was a big challenge. And David said to them, that is not going to happen. Everybody will share in the spoil. Whether you went to battle or you remain behind, everybody will share 
in the spoil. And he made a decree and said, everybody, from today on, that will be the law. Why did that catch my attention? Because when you are on this journey, having your bad day, you know, walking with God, going along, there are people who are always left behind. There are people who are battling out with you in prayer. People that you don't see face to face. People that you don't see walking with you. But they are behind the scenes somewhere. Somewhere someone is waking up in the middle of the night to pray for you. But they don't even tell you they are praying for you. Someone somewhere is making a meal and bringing it to you. You don't sometimes even realize that that is important. Someone somewhere is pleading with God that you know, bless this couple, bless this mom, bless this father. You do not know what is happening under the surface. But guess what? When you are blessed, that person will also be blessed. When you are blessed, when that person you are praying for is going to be blessed, trust me, you who have been praying for them are going to share in the blessings. You might not sometimes even see it at this end of eternity. But when you get to eternity, you will realize God telling you, do you know what? You you took two seconds to pray for that brother. Here is your reward. You took two minutes to prepare a meal and took to your neighbor. Here is your reward. And you know, I got a test of this just recently. Most of you will know that Andrew's daughter is having a, a baby, he announced last week. And my victory with my wife came. We are also having a baby. Today my wife is 16 weeks pregnant. But what is interesting is this. I know several of you have been praying for us. For a long period. I know and I thank God for all of you. But I want to mention Andrew because of one reason. Something I found out last week. I know Andrew has been praying for me. But something interesting is. When Andrew was praying for me and my wife to have a baby. God answered that prayer. But God also answered another prayer for Andrew by his daughter also having a baby. How do I know God answered those prayers spontaneously? Because my wife and Andrew's daughter, they have been given the same debt for delivery. So I know, I know that as Andrew was praying for me, God also blessed Andrew's daughter. And that is just an example I want to share with you. To tell you that actually, don't neglect that time you have praying for someone. Because that thing that might be holding you back, God might just answer that as a plus, as a bonus. As a by the way, let me just do that for you. Because you spend time, got over yourself, bless someone else, let me now bless you. Shall we stand? The band is going to come up. But I don't know what kind of a bad day you are having. I don't have many words for you this morning. But I just have an encouragement. You speak to yourself. Speak to yourself out of that misery that you might be in. Speak to yourself out of that depression you might be in. Or you might be having a really great day. Good for you. I'm having a great day. I had a testimony, I remember. 
So we've been battling with my wife. She throws up all the time. <laughs> and she's been spitting, you know, continually. She doesn't even mind the throwing up because, you know, it's a couple of minutes then, you know, it's over. But the spitting, you know, it's just too much. We've prayed about it. You know, the spitting is not going away. Even at the Connect group, you know, we prayed specifically for the spitting. We've been just desiring. You know, she would say, if this spitting would just go away, you know, it would be really great. Guess what this morning? She woke up. Nothing. <laughs> She's not spitting anymore. From yesterday going to bed spitting to waking up this morning, nothing. Isn't our God great? Let us trust him. Let us lift him high. Let us have faith in him and he will vindicate us. Bani? So it will be good that, you know, if you have been through this stuff and, you know, you have had those challenges and you just want to share, you know, I was at that point, but God brought me this way, you know, the microphone is open. You can also come and encourage others. Or if you know someone who who is going through this stuff and you just want to come along that person and say, I'm with you in this, you know, you can also go encourage them. Just as God encouraged you, encourage someone else. God bless.